And I am Tim Page Bonner. Danny, how are you? Well, Tim, as I heard someone locally here say one time, uh, I'm, I'm hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. I'm not even sure I know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think it's a definite uh, Southern term, shall we say. But as I often say, well, redneck is kind of my second language. Although some <laughs> might argue that English really is my second language. But that's another story for another day, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Okay, thanks for clearing that up for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, teed up on the agenda today is a, a subject that concerns all of us. Uh, but was brought up by our friend Paul Thompson from Flint Hills Resources in a podcast you just did with him several weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, as he and I were doing that podcast, talking about uh, dealing with skeptics, and by the way, if you haven't listened to it, it's just a phenomenal podcast, not because I'm on there, but just because Paul is so fascinating and did such an incredible job there. Uh, He offers some great advice there. And uh, one of the things that they did with his site uh, was he he talked a bit about the you know, how they had used some of the folks there to try to, to, you know, get some traction there. And he actually picked some of the roughest folks in the, not roughest, but some of those skeptics, I guess we should say, including himself. Uh, but the other thing that he mentioned, and I think this is where we're going with this podcast today, is the fact that he was struggling to mentor people uh, to replace himself, uh, to ensure the legacy of Safe Start continues after he's gone. Not that he's planning on going anywhere anytime soon, but still, you want that legacy to continue. Right. So stop and think about it, though. All those years ago, we, Safe Start, didn't set out concerning ourselves with legacies. I mean, we we were just trying to prevent injuries. Absolutely. And, and you know, thanks to Larry's vision, or you turn that that four by four by four, state, four states, four errors, four certs, card technology loose, uh, really on all types of error. So it makes perfect sense that Paul and others would have an interest in preserving safe dark principles so that, well, they outlast them. And, and frankly, they outlast us as well. Yeah, well, that would be the hope if we put ourselves in that kind of position anyways. Sure. So do you think we got time for a quick story? I Absolutely. mean, I promise, I promise it was a happy ending. Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> All right, so I appreciate that. Um, I feel like we've been watching too many congressional committee committee hearings. So I was hoping, I was hoping maybe a little bit more Roberts rules of order, but that's okay. We'll just we'll get to the story. Parliamentary um, inquiry and all that. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> no, let's actually avoid that. So thank you. So uh, our buddy Kevin Cobb, he he wrote a fantastic book a few years ago. Um, go go look for it. It's Quit Feeding the Monsters. Great great book with many many stories. Um, so with this particular story always stuck out to me. Um, so Kevin, by the story, was in the Northwest at a sawmill training their leadership group. As often happens with these types of groups, the discussion turned away from the real agenda. And at that point, the mill manager asked his leadership team, what business are we in? And in unison, those managers chanted back, the people development business. So to which the manager said, then back to the people's business. So I love the part where Kevin said, I didn't know what he was talking about. I also didn't have the courage to ask. As he said, from all the lumber and sawdust, he was quite sure that they were, <laughs> they, that they were in the sawmill business. But he did manage, Kevin, he did manage the courage to ask that manager during a break, what was with all this people development business? But the manager said back, Many people mistakenly think we're in the sawmill business, which we most assuredly are not. 
he went on to say also, we look at where people are and where they want to be from five years from now. And I'm training several candidates to replace myself. So we are in the people development business. By the way, we cut wood as a byproduct of that business. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and to this day, if you ask Kevin what his book is all about, uh, he'll say it's about the people development business. Mm-hmm. And that's really the heart of Paul's question. Are you intentionally and methodically setting up Safe Start to survive longer than you do? Uh, when it comes to Safe Start, you really need to be in the people development business. Uh, to go along with this, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it a moment ago, one of the things that I've always heard is that if professionally you want to be promoted, the first thing you need to do is to train your replacement. Uh, you know, some people struggle with that, though, because they almost think that they're working themselves out of a job. To me, though, nothing really could be farther from the, from the truth, and, and that certainly applies when you're talking about a process like Safe Start. If you want it to outlive you, for lack of a better term, then you really have to have somebody ready to step into your shoes uh, if something happens, if you get promoted to uh, move to another facility, move on to other responsibilities, or you know, maybe even change your career path to go to another organization. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the the experiences that you and I, you and I have had when we've returned to a customer, we've had several steering committees change out chairs, Absolutely. and then you then you find, then you wonder where did the chair go? Well, what is happening to the person that's in the chair position now? Did they get the proper training? Do you did you get them up to speed? And I think what we're talking about here is different from developing Safe Start champions. Mm-hmm. We have a podcast planned for that, so stay tuned for that. But I think what you're talking about is maybe a little bit of succession planning. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's it. You know, so, Yeah, the, the people that you're developing to be your successors are going to be uh, certainly Safe Start champions, but really it's about defining ways and really being uh, intentional about this process. I mean, how many times have we seen the success of Safe Start and to be honest, the, the bulk of the work of the Safe Start implementation hinge on a single person. And it goes like this, you know, things are going great with Safe Start and the primary driver leaves for a new opportunity or for retirement. And then the entire process just slowly comes unraveled. Sometimes, well, to be honest, not that slowly. We've even seen people take Safe Start, though, from one organization to another and be just as successful as their new company as they did at their old one. But at the same time, sometimes where they left, well, things aren't quite as rosy. and Things are starting to kind of unravel a bit. Well, that's a good point. So just a quick observation here, Danny. If you think that rushing, frustration, fatigue, and complacency are not going anywhere, you have to plan for your replacements. By the way, January is National Mentoring Month. So this is a great time to start preparing. In fact, mentoring has proved so beneficial that 71% of the Fortune 500 companies offer structured mentoring programs to their employees, according to a recent survey by somebody like the name of Wharton School of Business. Yeah, and and as we think about this, uh, the first thing that you really need to think about if you're looking for a mentorship program or to set up a mentorship program is uh, maybe you need to look at the standards of what it takes to be a good mentor to start with. 
Uh, mm. You may or may not hit all of these, but just to give you some ideas on where you can improve. Uh, in full disclosure here, I'm borrowing from a Forbes article written by Mary Abijay, and I'm, I'm going to slightly modify some of these for Safe Start. Uh, some qualities to look for in a mentor. Uh, one of the things you mentioned is just a desire to develop and help others. Uh, a good mentor is really sincerely interested in helping somebody else, even though for them personally, it may not have any quote-unquote official reward. Uh, good mentors do it because they genuinely want to see others succeed and they want to see Safe Start succeed. And they mm -hmm. really have a keen interest in seeing Safe Start as a legacy that will outlast them. Uh, mm -hmm. The other thing is, uh, you know, mentoring takes time. Uh, so you have to have the ability uh, with your time and also the availability with your time uh, and also your energy to help with the mentoring relationship. Uh, just having good intentions aren't enough. Mentoring really does take time. And uh, again, that's one of those things I say you have to be very intentional about as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you also need some uh, knowledge of the just your current organization, uh, maybe some you know current expertise and skills yourself. Uh, and relating to Safe Start, I mean, the best mentors have a full knowledge and a deep knowledge of the Safe Start processes. So it's really important to dig in deep yourself. Then there has to be a willingness to share failures and personal experiences. Uh, mentors need to be able to share the not only the how I did it right, but also the how I did it wrong stories. And some people struggle with that as well because they don't want to admit that they've had those how I did it wrong stories. But both experiences are very valuable for learning. And there's no need for the mentee to have to go through rightly or wrongly and reinvent the wheel. So uh, those are just a few things. You need to also be able to talk the talk, walk the walk kind of thing, and, and really have a, kind of a growth mindset and a learning attitude. You know, the best teachers have always been those who are kind of the curious learners themselves. And uh, I'd say the other thing there that, that comes from this article is also uh, you have to be have some skill in developing others. And this includes some very real skills like active listening, asking those powerful open-ended questions, um, a bit of self-reflection, and I think that applies both for the mentor and the mentee, uh, then providing uh, feedback, you know, and doing that in a manner that gets the other person motivated to continue on the process. I mean, those are just some of the things that we talk about so, uh, that are needed as a mentor. Tell, what, what do you think for a mentee? What are some of the key things there? Well, I'm going to tell you, as far as mentees are concerned, it's a mentor would always usually try to find a, a an individual to start mentoring um, by themselves. And quite frankly, I think that's not worth the time. I think it, what's worth mentioning is that you try to develop several mentees. Sure. Say three to five within a hundred group of employees. That's probably a good rule of thumb. That way you have enough to survive attrition and the workload is kind of spread out and you could share the load. Mm -hmm. um, it's also the mentees who are respected among their peers. Find those. Keep in mind though, you gotta, sometimes respect doesn't mean that the most popular and sometimes it does. So in other words, you, you got a popular person out there that's influencing change. That might be a good mentee, but also there's a person that could tell a great story that just doesn't like a lot of attention. Right. They could also be a good mentee. Absolutely. And remember, those informal leaders, got to remember them. They're important. Those influencers, those people that can spread the message, especially when you're out there looking. 
So pulling from the same Forbes article that you were talking about, uh, there's just a, there's special circumstances of a successful mentor. And there are attributes and sensibilities that make for a good safe start mentee. So it's important because mentees must remember that mentors are doing this from the goodness of their heart. Some mentors have been forced to do it. I get it. I understand. But a majority of those mentors that are out there, they have this kind of keen willingness to help. So being a good mentee is the best way to ensure the relationship enjoys a healthy, purposeful existence. So this kind of moves both ways. All right. So mentees themselves need to be committed to expanding their capabilities and focused on achieving performance results. Now that can happen on and off with safety results as, as you're looking at maybe perhaps traffic and off the job safety, if you want to put those two together in addition to production and quality. Mm-hmm. Also willing to ask for help. So mentees should be willing to be able to speak up and say that this is the time that I need help. That means they're going to show vulnerability and explore different paths and perspectives. Um, so mentees must be open and receptive to learning and trying new ideas. There's no mentor out there that wants to advise someone who isn't open to learning. All right. So the matter of the mentors wanting to learn, mentees need to do the same. Build that bridge there. Um, able to seek and accept feedback, <clears throat> even the positive correction kind. Sure. Make sure that and the biggest part of that is that if you do get the feedback, whether it's corrective action or not, make sure you act upon that corrective action. It, be personally responsible and accountable. Mentors want to see movement and growth. If you say you're going to do something, keep your word. Do it. Right? That's one thing that's a big deal for me as a mentor. Um, and also when I was a mentee, I wanted to make sure that I followed through. Ready, willing, and able um, to make sure you meet on a regular basis. Those relationships, they take time to develop. So mentees must also be committed to upholding their end of the bargain as well. And then, of course, they turn, they in turn must be willing to mentor others down the road. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Um, I think that's one of the I think that's one of the great hallmarks of someone who has been mentored well is when they themselves become a mentor, you know, and begin yeah. helping other people and uh, just that's continue a good sign. to grow. You know, I mean, that's that's huge. You know, and the chances of, of creating and sustaining this successful mentoring relationship are, are really enhanced by just a few simple best practices can be adopted. Uh, Mary in the article calls it designing the alliance. And I really like that term. Uh, You need to really take the time and discuss the structure of the relationship. Uh, Both parties really need to have a shared understanding of how that process is going to work. And that means uh, outlining that up front and discussing and articulating the expectations. Uh, Things like, you know, the meetings, just the, the bare bones of it, when, where, how often. Uh, Are you going to be meeting virtually? Are you going to be meeting on the phone? Are you going to be meeting uh, in person? You know, obviously things like a pandemic can throw a wrench in that for sure, but still you've got (laughs) to be able to to do that. But, you know, we we think about the pandemic. uh, There's more to it than just that, though. I mean, there's other things that happen just in a quote-unquote normal year, if there is such a thing, uh, where people have, you know, job assignments that come up where they may have special projects. 
there may be, you know, that the fabled thing from the uh, job description, other duties as may be assigned. Uh, so there may be other things that come up, but you've got to be committed to continue the, the meetings and continuing the mentoring process all the way through that. And you really have to think about that on the front side. Another thing that you really need to outline up front is the expectations when it comes to giving and receiving feedback. Uh, let's be honest, there are some people who just don't receive feedback well. And so they, if that's the case and they are not willing to be coached, it may be difficult for them to be in a mentor or mentee relationship, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that certainly needs to be uh, outlined up front and defined up front. And I think the other thing is just really getting to know each other. Uh, a mentoring relationship is like any other relationship. It really just takes time to develop. Uh, and like other relationships, I mean, it grows faster and stronger if both parties take the time to get to know each other as people. Uh, it really helps build trust just by learning right. with each other, you know. Uh, I think back to some of the folks who really helped me along professionally through the years and you know, to be honest, some of them we may or may not have seen eye to eye to start with, but over time, as we got to know each other and really spent time uh, getting to know each other and uh, understanding kind of what motivated each other and, and, and all of that, it um, we became closer professionally and personally. And because of that, uh, you know, we were we had a mentoring relationship and it really helped me professionally. And I've had the opportunity to do that with others as well. Another thing I think is to uh, set aside some time and a plan to kind of reflect and evaluate. Uh, every few meetings, uh, both parties, the mentor and the mentee, need to take that step back and just say, okay, how is this going? Has it been helpful? What hasn't been helpful? What's working? What's not working? Uh, what could we do differently to make this uh, more rewarding for both of us? Uh, and that may seem a little hokey or a little awkward, uh, but just having those, I guess you would say, evaluative conversations outlined and having a plan to step back and, and take those intentional step backs, if you will, and say, okay, let's look at this and see how it's going. Uh, that really can make sure that this relationship of mentoring relationship is working for both parties. That's cool that you did that. You actually, just before you set that up, you actually reflected on your own mentorship and your own, your own, <laughs> the people that have made an impact on you. So that's, uh, that's very helpful. And I segue, I'm not sure you set that up that way, but that was good. <laughs> well, it, I mean, so I was, it's real, right? And that's, that's the thing that we always try to do on the podcast here is try to be real. And that's, that's, well, not that we try to don't do that elsewhere. I mean, that's, that's just us, right? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get Glad what you real. see, folks. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing the podcast isn't visual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so like I was saying earlier uh, with the states, like rushing, frustration, fatigue, and complacency, they're not going anywhere. But I bet that a thousand years from now, they'll still be tripping human beings up. Mm -hmm. I mean, those states anyways. Yeah. So we must, we must come up with a logical plan to continue the fight long after work on you and I. So like you said earlier, Words have meaning. So I believe legacy is the perfect word to describe what we're getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's another thing we really haven't talked about a lot, and that is uh, kind of some generational legacy uh, bits, I guess you would say. Um, and, you know, I see this a couple of ways. I see this uh, personally and professionally. I mean, personally, we know Safe Start users uh, 
also teach their kids and their grandkids uh, through sharing Safe Start, uh, be it the teen driving or Boo Boo Bandits. Uh, Paul mentioned something in his podcast that made really made me smile. He said something to the effect of his children are to grow up with less scars than he did thanks to Safe Start. And I believe that's really, really huge, you know. And I believe you need to find somebody uh, who has had, you know, that long-term success as well. Um, another thing there as well is uh, I would uh, I'd say that there also are some generational legacy uh, things that can be fostered within organizations uh, that are huge in, in terms of mentoring. Uh, shameless self-promotion here, I guess. I've got a conference presentation that I started doing this year uh, that's called If the Fish Aren't Biting, It's Time to Change Bait. And one of the things we talk about in there is some of those generational differences. And one of the most powerful ways to deal with those generational differences uh, professionally is to have kind of that cross-generation mentoring type relationships. Uh, you know, you may have the the older person who may not be that uh, that comfortable with technology, for example, and they can help uh, be helped rather by by the younger folks and the younger generation that technology is just natural to them. Uh, on the other hand, you may have uh, somebody that's been out in the field for you know 30, 40, 50 years that has just an incredible wealth of knowledge about the operations that uh, as they retire, a lot of that knowledge is walking out the door. Some people call it the brain drain. Uh, so, you mm -hmm. know, if we can get that person to work with and mentor a younger person and share some of that knowledge before they leave or retire, uh, you know, and you can have both of these going at the same time. That's the wonderful part about this. You have the mentor being the mentee and vice versa. Uh, and again, that just comes back to that relationship. So I, I think that's just huge. And I think that's something that's really going to be critical for business to be successful over the next few years as we have a lot of the uh, older workforce that's beginning to retire. Yeah, that uh, point you made with, with uh, Mr. Paul, mm -hmm. that uh, the scars for the children, you, you would hope that your, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'd hope that your children would have less scars and you would do whatever it takes to protect them. But as they go out on their own, they venture out on their own. You'll also see their wisdom grow, which is really, really cool about the legacy because you know, you've made some mistakes. You try to prevent your children from making the same mistakes, but ultimately it's not that they're, they're out there making mistakes intentionally to try to figure out what dad was talking about. Mm -hmm. It was more so that it wasn't the time that they were thinking about, but that legacy that you're trying to, you, I don't know, you just mentioned it with Paul that, that made a, a huge impact on me when I listened to that podcast and yeah. um, I'll never forget it. Just, just coming back, coming back to how I wanted to protect my children all along and mm -hmm. try to keep them from making the same mistakes that I made. And Lord only knows how many mistakes I've made. Cause I made quite a few. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so thanks to Paul for putting that episode on our radar. Yes. And just to kind of wrap things up here, if any of you, any of you out there are listening to this and going, oh, there's this great opportunity for a potential topic on a podcast. Yes. Would you do, do me a favor? Reach out to me or Danny. My email is Tim at SafeStart.com and Danny's just as easy. Danny at SafeStart.com. Yeah. And, and if it's... Uh... You know, maybe it's not a necessarily even a subject. Maybe it's just a person that you think would be really interesting and that uh, others would be interested in hearing their message. 
that we could, you know, set up some time to talk with on the podcast. Uh, so a recommended guest, if you will, we'd love to love to get that as well. So again, Tim at SafeStart.com or Danny at SafeStart.com. Uh, nice, easy emails there for you. And uh, we'd just love to hear from you and some of the things that you are interested in hearing about as we continue to grow this format and grow uh, the podcast. So uh, that's it for today. That's our time for today. So uh, on behalf of Tim and the rest of the team for Safe Talk with Safe Start, and by the way, we do have a lot of folks who are working on this behind the scenes. So shout out to them as well. Uh, I'm Danny Smith, and thank you for listening. Have a good day.